Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Notre Dame football Saturday continues with WSBT Game Day. Here's your host, Evan Sharpley. Welcome to the Game Day Show. I'm your host, Evan Sharpley, and your home for Fighting Irish Football, 96 1 FM, 960 AM, WSBT. And we're previewing the Notre Dame versus USC game. Kickoff is just past 8 o'clock this evening. Your Fighting Irish are 11 0 right now. It's 60 minutes away from an undefeated regular season yeah. and a spot in the college football playoffs. Meanwhile, Ohio State. Is beating Michigan right now, 62 to 39. That's Sorry about beat, that. That's a beaten. Wolverines fans. A quick shout out to the Edwardsburg Eddies for winning the state yeah, championship go last Eddies. night. 28-7 over Chelsea. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Well, I'm joined here live from SBT Studios in Mishawaka with my producer and State Farm agent Tim Growl and producer Matt Embry. With the, one arm, the one arm bandit here. Still I'm, going I'm st- strong? Still recuperating here, but I'm ready to go, man. What time of the year couldn't you be fired up? I was watching football all day today. I took a nap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you mean, got a long night ahead of you. Well, that's the thing. We got the we we got the inside Notre Dame football show tonight. Me and, and Darren Pritchett uh, over at Notre Dame, and we do not go live until the game ends. Do they make twelve uh, hour energy drinks or eight hour? Not the five. I don't hour? know if there's enough caffeine. <laughs> I don't know if I'm be able to drink enough caffeine to make sure that I'm ready for this. But I'm going to give it my best shot. I'm sure you you, you always do, and it should be uh, hopefully not an exciting game. Let's just put them away. I would early. say if if they're able to set the tone early, uh, this is a football team out there in Southern Cal right now that may look to uh, pack it in pack it in early I like that somebody that packs his bags all the time is the next guy that's uh, maybe our first guest and he's so nice to be j- able to join us and has to take my annoying Texas to get him to be on here and stuff too but out there in Southern California is Notre Dame's own Jack Nolan hi Jack how are you Jack, it's uh, it's great to have you on the show. Could you just kind of paint us a picture there from the ground? How are things going? How's the weather? Well, the weather's terrific. Um, Sixty, high sixties to seventy degrees. Sun is shining. Cools down at night, but compared to what we've dealt with the last two weeks, perfect football weather with a very confident, but I dare say not overconfident football team uh, that, as they have all year, focused on this game and only this game but also understanding and embracing the ramifications of the game. I mean, you don't need any, Evan, you know this, you don't need any additional uh, motivation to play USC, uh, especially when Notre Dame hasn't won their last game of the regular season since 2012, uh, the last time they qualified for the national championship game. But beyond that, this team knows, and it'll be interesting on my post-game interview with Coach Kelly tonight, assuming Notre Dame gets the job done, He's somewhat hesitant to declare himself in the playoff because the committee still has to um, coronate them. But I don't. I mean, if Notre Dame wins tonight, doesn't make the playoff, then we should stop playing college football. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you on that. Well, Jack, you're around this team quite a bit. You're around the coaches too, and uh, you know Brian Kelly talked a little bit post game uh, last week just on the the type of team that he has. Um, you, you've, you know, being around these guys, what have you seen from a leadership standpoint, a chemistry standpoint that stands out? Well, there's a lot of leaders. 
Uh, and again, it's the older players as it normally is. But everybody on this team does not want to let down their fellow players. It, it's a team that very much is good at handling responsibilities, doing things the right way, making sure they're always prepared, um, and making sure they always put their teammates in the best position to be successful. Uh, and you're right, I go to practice a lot now. I, I listen to coaches talks at the end of practice, and, and the way Coach Kelly has evolved since he's been here. I mean, he was a two-time National Coach of the Year when he got here. Um, so obviously he could coach football, but I've seen him make the adjustments, the changes that are necessary to survive at Notre Dame. And I loved what he told this team after practice yesterday, that he loves confident football teams. What he doesn't like is overconfident football teams. Uh, and he made it very clear that if they do not respect this USC team that's wounded, that hasn't played well, that's loaded with talent, if they come out and they don't respect them, remember what happened the last time you didn't completely respect an opponent. Ball State. You almost lost the game. So I just want to get that out there. I would be doing my job. You must respect this team we play tomorrow. They have a lot of talent on the team. You have to come out with an edge. You have to play the way you did against Syracuse. If you do that, we'll be fine. But make sure you respect your opponent. And I thought I thought it was the right tone. He wasn't saying his team was overconfident. He was just warning them on the day before the game, don't, you know, ignore the noise. Don't read the clippings. Don't look at the the betting line. He didn't say that specifically, but that's what he's saying. Don't listen to your friends and family. Go out and you have to play hard to be successful today. And I would be very surprised. I mean, I'm usually, you know, an old lady. Oh, this could go wrong and that could go wrong and this can go wrong. And people can, you know, tweet at me afterwards. I just feel really good about this game right now because I like the maturity of this team. And I like the fact that they're getting better. Every single game this year, this team has gotten better after the month of September. This team's gotten better, and I really like that. Can you point to any one reason or a thought on why this November has been different for this team, why they've continued to improve throughout the end of the season? I think some of it's conditioning in the way that the team is taking care of itself and the way that they take care uh, of the team. Uh, Coach Kelly likes to talk about the miles per hour average running of players with the GPS chips, and they're actually faster this month Jack, than they what, were in what, how, fa- how fast do you run on the GPS? Do we know that? Uh, no, we don't want to do that. I'm not sure I can activate it. Um, he can catch his Uber driver, though. He can catch his Uber car, though. I bet yeah, you. I can catch an Uber driver. All right. Well, if there was a free buffet, guys, at the end of it, <laughs> then it probably would register at some point on this. Um, and I think, again, it's the this team and everybody, and I'll anticipate the next question. And it's obviously we all watched 2012. This offense is much better than the 2012 offense. And the defense, I think, is on a par. It might not be quite a good, but I, I think it's on a par. And this team's been winning. The defense has allowed this offense to mature. It was a very young, inexperienced offense in September. I still believe that Brandon Wimbush was necessary to beat Michigan in game one. With their defensive line, their defense, that coming into today was number one in the country. I'm not so sure it is anymore after giving up 62 points and a ton of yards to Ohio State. But they needed Brandon Wimbush's mobility and his ability to make a play on his own in that game. Uh, but since that time, the defense, whenever the offense struggled a bit, the defense has come through. Uh, and I think it's the second year of basically the same system. They have a system now that this team understands. I was talking with Todd Light yesterday. It's, it's something that there's no question in the minds of the players what their responsibilities are, what they need to do in a specific situation. Uh, they understand it, and they've gotten better. The secondary 
right now I think is the borderline and elite secondary. The recruiting has paid off on the defensive line. This is as athletic a defensive line that Notre Dame's had, in my opinion, since the early 90s. Everything that they've been building in recent years is just starting to gel. And I think Jeff Quinn deserves a pat on the back. Here he stands in the Hall of Fame, offensive line coach. But when you look at what Jeff Quinn had to do, replace two top nine NFL draft picks, Sam Mustafer's the only guy who began the year playing the same position he played in the past. Then you lose your best offensive lineman in Alex Bars. And for this line to be playing as effectively as it is right now, they stumbled a little bit running the football last week against Syracuse, which has a very good defensive line. But previous to that in the three games that they had made the adjustment on the left side of the line, bringing in Banks to go with Eichenberg, they were averaging 250 yards plus rushing each and every game. I just think, you know, people just think, well, Notre Dame, I love fans. Notre Dame should always have a great offensive line. Well, you don't become great just to put the jersey on. You have to build it. You have to get together. And I think that offensive line has been a key. It keeps getting better and better. This is WSPT's Game Day, and we're checking in with uh, Jack Nolan out in Los Angeles before today's big rivalry game. Rivalry game. How does Coach Kelly treat this? You know, some coaches want to make a big deal out of it. Some want to poo-poo it. You've been around for a long time, and I know I want to hear some of your memories about that, too. But also, right now, how does Brian Kelly treat the rivalry? Get the shillelagh. He makes a big deal out of getting all of those rivalry trophies. They're displayed right outside his office uh, in the Goose. And they want those trophies, and they want to have another year where they have all the rivalry trophies, and they need to win this game to maintain it. They have it right now because they crushed USC last year, you'll remember, right. uh, with a quarterback that's now playing in the NFL. But he does point it out, and after the game, uh, they will make a big deal when they don't have the trophy uh, of representing it to the team. Uh, and I would assume, I don't know. I haven't asked. I don't know if they have it or not. Uh, I don't know if I would bring it in the event of a loss. I'd probably make them wait for a FedEx. Uh, so I, I don't know if it's here or not, but he does uh, talk up winning all of the rivalry games and the importance of rivalry games. He doesn't give them a quiz on the history like Lou did, but he does emphasize the importance of this rivalry. And I think there are people that are going to argue. I know Michigan and Ohio State fans will argue, and they have a good case. But I think nationally, this is the number one rivalry in college football and has been for decades. As far as preparation has gone this week, you know, with Thanksgiving, and it's, and it's something that Brian Kelly and his staff and all coaches, you know, prior to him too have dealt with um, and, and making a, a deal of, and, and Brian Kelly has, has talked about it all year, that preparation is going to lead to success on Saturdays. Um, how different was this week compared to the rest of the season as far as preparation was concerned? Same amount of work. They just didn't have to worry about classes after Tuesday, which meant they could spend more time on football, more time around each other, more time in meeting rooms, and that's what they did. Uh, the schedule that uh, this team is on now, they practice, you know, it's up in Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Um, got out here Wednesday night. Actually, things were going so well Wednesday, and they fed the team early. They moved up the uh, charter flight uh, about 40 minutes, uh, and uh, thank God it wasn't 45, or your intrepid reporter might be sitting next to you right now in the studio. <laughs> um, and then they got out here last night. They had a, a Friday uh, practice of about an hour and a half, you know, in shorts, and, but they went through all of uh, their position drills and, and the normal practice and uh, walked through today on the tennis courts here at the Team Hotel in Marina Del Rey. But it's been, it's actually been a little bit easier prep because 
I mean, Evan, you know what it's like. And I really don't think that a lot of the fans really get how hard it is to maintain a good grade point average at Notre Dame and play college football. So this week it became a little bit less. So I don't think it was um, any more difficult. And I really like the way this team has handled the travel. Four road games in five weeks, coast to coast. San Diego, New York, now we're back in L.A. Um, They stayed overnight for the Navy game, and I was somewhat skeptical. I'm thinking, well, you know, just get back on the plane and get home because they had to get the guys up still early at 7 o'clock San Diego time because under NCAA rules you have to have 24 hours off, and if they got back to South Bend any later, they would not have been able to do anything on Monday. So they got them up early, but that whole trip, the fatigue getting back here, and I've done it a number of times, um, was just less. So, I mean, they've done everything they can to allow this team to get the rest, to be both physically and mentally as sharp as they possibly can for all of these challenges. And I think this is a pretty um, well-rested and also pretty healthy football team. There's a lot of tough guys on this team. There's a lot of guys playing with injuries, that, you know, led by Drew Tranquil, of course. But there's a lot of guys who've got little injuries right now that wouldn't be so little for some people. You have to fight through it. Nothing that would lead to any additional injury, but there's some pain involved. It's very hard to keep anybody on this football team right now off the football field. Hey, Jack, before we let you uh, go, is there anything in X's and O's that you think can be really challenging that USC can throw at Notre Dame? Offense, defense, special teams. Well, I mean, they've got tremendous wide receivers again, um, and you've got a freshman quarterback who was the number one in Daniels, who was the number one recruit in the country, and he has had some big games. I just really like, I mean, Notre Dame, I've never said this before, Notre Dame is number two in the country in pass efficiency defense. I'm pretty sure that's never happened before. (laughs) I I think Notre Dame is, is certainly ready. What you don't want to do is, you don't want to turn the ball over on your first possession again. You want to go out, and Coach Kelly emphasized this yesterday, go out and take control of the game early. Um, It is a rivalry game. If you let USC hang around and the crowd in the Coliseum starts to get into it, and there'll be a lot of Notre Dame fans there as well, I mean, go out and just take care of business the way you have. And if you think, and if they do, Jack, what do you got for a score prediction today? Myself? Yes. God, you know, guys, I've always hated doing this. <laughs> uh, the very first game that I did for WNDU way back in 1982 on TV was Notre Dame-Purdue, and they had me predict a score, and I said, Notre Dame 28, Purdue 14. And the game came out, Notre Dame 28, Purdue 14, and I retired as a predictor. Quit <laughs> on, um, I think I think Notre Dame uh, should win by two touchdowns. I really do. I would not be surprised if the game is close early. I wouldn't be surprised if it's close at halftime. I wouldn't be stunned if USC had the lead at halftime. I don't think USC can play four quarters uh, with Notre Dame, and I think Notre Dame's going to score 30 more points. I really do. Jack, hey, thank you so much for taking some time. Enjoy the nice weather out there, and hopefully we see an Irish victory tonight. Thanks, Jack. My pleasure, guys. So I'm glad it fit in. It's just logistics on the road can get kind of hanky. Hey, remember, Uber does have Uber Eats, too, so they might have food in the car. They got me plenty of food on the phone. Uh, on the plane, on the plane, on the plane coming back. Although you guys will get home before we will. We're going to land at 6 a.m. tomorrow, so it's going to be a... It'll be a much more fun trip if they win. If they win, they may not need the plane. So. <laughs> Thanks a lot again. Thanks, Go Have a great show. This is WSBT's Game Day, live from the WSBT studios. Kickoff tonight is just after 8 p.m. right here on 961 WSBT, your Michiana sports leader. May I have your attention, please? 
This is Tim McCarthy for the Indiana State Police. You are listening to WSBT, your radio home for Notre Dame football. Welcome back to the Game Day Show. I'm your host, Evan Sharpley, on your home for Fighting Irish Football, 96.1 FM, 9.60 AM, WSBT. And we're getting ready for Notre Dame versus USC kickoff just after 8 p.m. Real quick, some top 25 scores. Oklahoma last night beat West Virginia 59-56. What a shootout. Washington beat Washington State 28-15. Snowball. Just final, Ohio State 62, Michigan 39. What a rip. And then we have Georgia 45, Georgia Tech 21. Killing. And right now, Bama and Auburn are tied up in the Woo! first quarter. And seven what's that, Iron to Bowl? seven, the Iron Bowl. All right. What do you think, man? Well, if Notre Dame wins, they're in. That's all that really matters around these parts, am I right? ABC's been advertising ESPN all day today. That's their advertising motto on there. Well, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta say though. I mean, Ohio State's got to be kicking themselves for their loss to Purdue. Yeah, I mean, they're one loss team right now, but nobody's gonna take their credibility serious with that loss to Purdue. Yeah, absolutely. Because they easily, they easily could, you know, based on how things could shake out in the SEC, which we we still may have a scenario. With Georgia and Bama, Bama does take care of business today against Auburn, where an SEC championship game where Georgia could play the spoiler a little bit, but I don't think Bama will get left out then. Right. Oklahoma may be the team that's kind of on the outside looking in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's deal with USC, and our next guest was on an undefeated team and played USC in a rivalry game back in that and that season. It was number one versus number two, to refresh everybody's memory. But let's get some more thoughts from uh, offensive line. I was two years old, I think. What's that? I was two years old. Well, we know. <laughs> Two years old. Oh, my goodness gracious. I always forget I could be your dad real easy. Anyway, let's go out to uh, Tim Grunard. I think he's at, are you at your home, Tim? No, I'm actually coming off the golf course. Uh, beautiful day here in Kansas City, although the weather is going to change tonight and into tomorrow. They're expecting seven to eight inches of snow here. Ooh. So uh, I guess you got to take advantage of the weather while the weather is good. But. Hey, Evan, thanks a lot, man. Two years old, that makes me feel great. <laughs> Tim, Tim, how'd you shoot it today? You shoot it all right? Oh, uh, no. No, no, no. I did not. It's winter golf. Uh, the golf swing needs to go to hibernation uh, <laughs> after that round. But it was good to get out there. I was with my oldest son, CJ, who's a senior at Notre Dame, and we're driving back and getting ready for the ball game. Very, very excited. Got to be a, a very excited 12 right now, 11 and 0, looking to go 12 and 0. Um, we talked to you earlier on in the season, and you know, I think at that point there were still some question marks and, and how this Notre Dame football team, their identity, how they continue to evolve, um, the way the defense has continued to play, what this offense has done. Uh, since we last spoke, what if, I mean, obviously there's a lot to like, but what have been a couple of, uh, of key things and why Notre Dame has been able to, to go on this run that they have? Well, I think that just the development of Ian Book has been unbelievable. And, uh, you know, just watching that young man play, he, he, he creates, uh, he's a good leader on the field. And, uh, you know, just, just talking with Colin and, and some of the offensive linemen, they love uh, playing with him in the huddle. And, and it's, uh, it's been a good experience for, for everybody on the offensive side, you know, getting the ball to the big wide receivers at Claypool and, and the rest of the guys, it's, it's been a, it's been a great, uh, great offensive run. But really, this defense, all this this team's all about defense. The, the defense for Notre Dame is as good as, as I can remember. Maybe going back to the '88 uh, team with uh, Pritchett and Stams and Stonebreaker and Bocar and and Alm and and Boo Williams and those guys. Uh, this defense is really, really good. And I think, you know, as the season progresses, you know, into tonight and then obviously hopefully into that playoff game, 
the defense has got to continue to play as well as they have, and I see no reason why it can't. They have done a wonderful job of, of limiting teams. That Syracuse game was a, a thing of beauty, and uh, you know, really all year they've been dominating up front in the front seven, and the secondary has done a great job of shutting people down. So you you got to just look at the defense and say that the defense is really what's making this team win. Tim, I think you know the fun thing is playing the comparison game like you talked about, whether it's the 88 defense, whether it's 2012. The question usually is, why? So why is this defense playing at such a high level? Well, I, I think they have a, a, a nice group of front four guys that, that are, are, are really uh, gap-orientated, gap-strong. They, they're not selfish. Uh, they, they, they play within the system. Uh, the linebackers are good. Uh, you know, Tranquil is just, he's a tough kid. He really is the spirit of that team. You know, he's had high, high ankle sprains and injuries and plays through it. And uh, the secondary, Tom Light has done a wonderful job with the secondary. And uh, I, I'm drawing a blank on the, on the guy's name, but number 11, who came from Navy, uh, what an unbelievable job he's done for that team. And he really won that Syracuse game single-handedly with a couple interceptions, a, a, a fumble. Uh, recovery and just was a uh, an unbelievable presence in the middle of the field against Syracuse that, that they couldn't really do anything in the passing game. So, you know, it really has been a combination of everybody, but I think Drew Trank will be in the leader and the front four not being selfish and the secondary really playing uh, within themselves and communicating. It's really been a nice uh, combination for the, for, the, for the Irish. Yeah, sa- safety Alohi Gilman's been, I mean, he's one of my favorite guys to transfer from Navy. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, getting production from that back end uh, has been really important. And certainly, like you mentioned, with, with a front four that can kind of pin their ears back and get upfield, you know, guys like Julian Aquara, Jerry Tillery, Daylon Hayes, um, Khaled Kareem, you know, they're, they're getting great production really from each level. Uh, but I think it's important, and as you pointed out too, just the leadership as- aspect of thing and chemistry. And when you play on special teams like you did, you know, that's usually a, a common theme was, hey, we were pretty good at football, but there was something a little bit more to our group as well. And then, you know, offensively, you talked about the switch and, and bringing Ian Book in, which, you know, was most definitely a hard decision for Brian Kelly. But since then, the offense has really taken a step forward. This offensive line, I think, has grown with Ian Book as well. You know, they're, they're placing a couple of really good football players that currently are the top two highest graded rookies um, on the offensive line and Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey. What have, what have you seen from, from this group at the offensive line? Um, you know, the, 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 the maturity that they've, um, they've, they've uh, kind of shown over the course of, you know, really the last six games and how they've grown with Ian Book too. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Sam Mustafer, you got to start with him at the center position. He's a great leader. He's a smart kid. He's able to communicate things to people on the offensive line. I think Banks has done a nice job of coming in, uh, you know, a young guy, basically a redshirt freshman, and stepping in. You know, Tommy Kramer and 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 uh, and and uh, Hainsey and and really the, the, that whole group has really came together. You know, they had some injuries. Uh, um, uh, Trevor Rulin has filled in nicely uh, when some guys have gone down, which has been a nice plus to get a little bit of depth. So, yeah, you know, I, I think that really this. This team has done a nice job in pass protection up front. You know, I, I'm really impressed with the pass protection. Uh, you know, the run game, they, they could get a little bit better, and they have built themselves into a situation where they, they can get it done when they have to get it done. But when you have Dexter Williams and you have uh, Tony Jones and, and you have Jafar Armstrong, who, who I, I expect a lot of good things from as this season, you know, maybe tonight and in the bowl game when he gets healthy, 
that you know they they got a nice stable of backs. Uh, they just have got to do a little bit better job of covering people up in the run game. But in the past game, they've done a great job. I mean, you know, Syracuse was known for for bringing a lot of pressure, especially in third down, and they picked it up. Uh, they had the number one uh, sack guy in the ACC playing. Uh, over uh, over a young guy in Hainsey. Hainsey did a nice job on him. He jumped it off sides a couple times. But that, that happens when you're playing against a, a speed rusher. You're trying to jump that, that count a little bit. And he, he got caught uh, a couple times. But uh, really up front, I, I think, they, like you said, I think they've grown into the into the position. I think they've been able to bring guys in and out. They haven't, haven't missed a step. And, uh, yeah, they, they've done a nice job. But, in order for this team to get to where it needs to go, they've got to do a better job in the run game of covering people up, and they've gotten better, but that's a point of emphasis for them, I think. Tim Growl, Evan Sharpley, and WSPT's Game Day Show. We're with ND and NFL offensive lineman Tim Grunhard. Tim, talk to us and share your memories and thoughts on USC as a rivalry and any special thoughts that you have or anything that came up from the games that you played. Yeah, I mean, that, that one versus two was a huge game. And, and uh, you know, remember that uh, uh, Lou Holtz sent a couple guys home because they were late for a, a team meeting. And uh, that really, you know, I, I'll never forget sitting in the uh, uh, in the team meeting and Coach Holtz called the, the senior and junior leaders out of the of the main uh, meeting and brought us into a separate room and said, hey, listen, I'm going to send a couple guys home. And Ricky Waters, and I think it was Tony Brooks, and I uh, said, you know, they were late. Uh, we, you know, we can't stand for that. And, uh, you know, we all said, hey, coach, if you think that's what we need to do and that's going to be the best thing for this team, then go ahead and do it. And I'll never forget Mark Green and, and Anthony Johnson stepping up. And obviously, uh, uh, Tony Rice uh, had a huge game running the ball also in that game. But, you know, one versus two, that was huge. And it's very similar to, you know, what's going on right now as far as, you know, uh, what, what this game means. It may not be one or two, but if Notre Dame wins, they're in. They're in the playoffs. So it's a big game. Uh, those are the kind of games you want to play in. These are the kind of games when you sign up at the University of Notre Dame that, that you expect to play in. You expect to play in big games at the end of the year and give yourself an opportunity to win national championships. You know, it's been 30 years, and, it, and that's too much. So, uh, you know, let's, let's get in and let's get invited to the dance and see what happens. Did you win every game, I think, that uh, you were playing there when you were there? Uh, we won every game against USC. Yeah, yeah. we you know, the, the first right. the, the first year for first year John Carney kicked the field goal to win the game when Lou Holtz's first year there, and then uh, our our second year there we really had a nice running game, and the uh, the offensive line was the uh, uh, players of the game or whatever they called it back then, the uh, CBS or NBC player of the game, players of the game, and then really our senior year, which was my favorite game, we were down seventeen seven and a half. And, uh, you know, USC was on a roll. They were playing really good. And, and uh, they made the mistake of kind of uh, taunting the, the Fighting Irish team as we walked up the tunnel by singing our fight song in a kind of a different way. And that kind of woke us up. And it wasn't pretty for them after that. So, uh, yeah, we've had some great games against USC. But my favorite game was probably the senior year coming back against those guys and, and beating them when they thought they had the game in, in hand. Well, Tim, like you said, ten- tonight is not number one versus number two. So, so in your mind, what does Notre Dame have to do to make sure that they finish this regular season twelve and zero? Well, what they have to do is really what some teams haven't done today. You know, Michigan and Ohio State. You know, you, you got to take every game uh, as an important game. You can't overlook anybody. You know, you look at what happened with Washington and Washington State. Anytime you play your rival. You've got to you you've got to be on your A game, and and I expect nothing less from Coach Kelly and that team to be on their A game tonight. But it doesn't really matter what USC's record is; they would like nothing 
more than to knock Notre Dame out of the playoffs. And, uh, you know, Notre Dame's got to be cognizant of that. And it's uh, one of those games where you got to go out there and you got to jump on these guys early. you you got to score quick, knock that spirit out of them, make them understand that, hey, listen, this is going to be a, a, a long day, and they'll shut her down a little bit. But if you let these guys hang in the game and, and they, you know, God forbid, get up on you, it's going to be a long night. It's going to be a, it's going to be a battle. So the key is to start fast, get ahead of these guys, and kind of, you know, they know they're not better than Notre Dame, but they've got to be shown that, and they got to be shown that early. Any thoughts on a, a score? You have a score prediction for us tonight? Man, right now I hope they just win by one. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, I, I would think that Notre Dame is going to get up in this game early. I, I, I see them getting up pretty quick. I, I would say it's going to be 35 to 14, somewhere in that area. I think Notre Dame should handle them. You know, they got a lot of good football players on that team at USC. they got a lot of guys that are going to go on and play in the NFL. But they don't play together. They don't play as a team. Offensively, their quarterbacks have been rotating in and out. And they got a young guy playing the quarterback position. And on the defensive side, you, you know, you watch. They, they, just, they just don't hustle. They don't hustle for the ball. They don't, they don't swarm like the Notre Dame defense does. So we got to take advantage of that, kind of try to knock them out and uh, make them uh, kind of, you know, shut her down and get ready to go to the beach uh, here next week. <laughs> well, Tim, hey, thanks you, t- thank you so much. Uh, sorry that you didn't shoot it too well on the golf course, but hopefully your day gets better when the Irish beat USC tonight. He's going to switch from a golf course right. to a I'll snow be- shovel. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'll be happy to trade a, a good round of golf for a Notre Dame win anytime. So <laughs> I'll, I'll use all my luck tonight. So uh, good luck to the Irish, and it's great being out with you guys. Hey, thanks a lot. Thank we'll you. talk to you next season. On your home for Notre Dame football, 96.1 WSBT, this is game day. We'll be right back with Braxton Cave from the 2012 team. This is former tight end Robin Weber. My job was to catch footballs. Yours is to catch every Notre Dame game right here on your home for Fighting Irish football, WSBT. Welcome back to the game day show. I'm your host, Evan Sharpland, your home for Fighting Irish football, 96.1 FM, 9.60 AM, WSBT. Notre Dame is 11-0, number three in the country and looking for a 12-0 regular season, which will put them as one of the final four teams in the college football playoff if they take care of business tonight. Kickoff is just after 8 p.m. We talked with Jack Nolan, who kind of set the scene for us out in Los Angeles. We got some nice weather. The Irish seem to have prepared well all week. Sounds like celebrated, it. Said, yeah. uh, celebrated a little bit with Thanksgiving, which I celebrated. I think I, I, think I ate four times um, <laughs> all around like the same, like, Five, I might have ate once per hour for four, three or four or five hours. I have no doubt. So it was a great day. <laughs> uh, we just got done taking, talking to Tim Grunhardt, and now we've got uh, a number of... Yeah, another... we got a lot of wins under the belt today. Sure do. A lot of, lot of wins under the belt. Uh, Braxton Cave, who is on the 2012 team. Braxton, how are you, buddy? Doing great. How are you guys? Not too bad. Setting a mojo with all these undefeated teams. Did you, you, you notice that's, that's how I set this up to show up? Right? That's oh, oh, it was very subtle of you then. That's huh? right. That's that's some underlying the tones. Teams. Yeah. Well, uh, Braxton, did you have a good Thanksgiving? I did. I had a great Thanksgiving. Went down to Dallas, visited my wife's family, got to play some golf. So it was it was good. Well, hopefully you shot better than Tim shot today. He said Tim Tim Grunard said he didn't shoot very well. Did you have more success on the golf course than he did? I shot an eighty-one, so I'll, I'll take that. Okay, all day. yeah. You were like trying to channel your uh, Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods from the match <laughs> yesterday, huh? <laughs> that was uh, quite the show, wasn't it? <laughs> well, hey, we appreciate you taking a couple of minutes, uh, and we won't hold you too long. But just kind of your thoughts uh, so far. We, you know, we talked to you early on in the season, uh, but what you know. 
this this Notre Dame offensive line has taken some pretty big steps, and, and certainly Ian Book has been and played a role in that too. But um, what have you liked from these guys up front, and what lends you to believe that they're going to take care of business tonight? You know, it's been a fun group to watch. They were kind of the, the big question mark heading into this year, losing two first-round picks, and then Bars goes down with an injury. So, you know, Mustafer is the guy in there with the experience, and the other guys have really stepped up. So it's been fun to watch them. And, you know, I, I did a couple interviews. You know, everybody wants to compare the this year's team to 2012. And, you know, what, what what's similar heading into this game as we did in 2012? And I told them, you know, we just played our game all year. And I, I, I'm one of those guys that's very anxious and usually on my phone or listening to music or constantly moving around. And I don't know what it was, but there was a piece going into this game in 2012. And I actually slept on the, on the bus ride over from the hotel. So I imagine these guys are, you know, full of confidence and, and look, heading into this game. You know, this is a, a rivalry game, but, you know, USC's, you know, down this year. So I'm expecting us to jump out on top pretty early here. How this, this rivalry game for you, where does it kind of rank in your mind? Um, you know, there's some comparisons between Michigan, Ohio state playing today. Uh, but in your mind, the USC Notre Dame, uh, what kind of comes to mind? What kind of emotions arise, um, when you play this game? You know, I put this rivalry number two on my Notre Dame rivalry list. Uh, you know, as much, as much as people want to talk about the Notre Dame-USC rivalry, I, there's just something about Michigan that I don't think any of us like at all. And uh, <laughs> They're too close so, here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, always, I always loved this game. You know, go, making the trip out to Southern California, I, obviously, as you guys know, it's a whole other world, completely different atmosphere. Uh, the getaway and just some beautiful weather. Um, you know, this, this is definitely one that you circle early on in camp. What are your thoughts on uh, on the stadium itself? Uh, that was brought up in uh, in my in my show yesterday uh, with Sean Styers. Um, but it's 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 a unique venue, but in my mind, not very nice. What are your thoughts? No, it's not very nice. And one you know one thing that I tell people is every year when we'd go out there, um, I thought always thought it was pretty funny that they always painted the field green <laughs> so it looked like the grass was green, but it never really was. Fake, fake, <laughs> fake. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Brandon, I'm, I'm looking at some of the statistics from that game and, and stuff, too. And I know everybody is as nauseum. It's really trying to compare both teams. Each team had their own u- unique styles and everything. But in that in that game that you played against them, you guys uh, possessed a, had a uh, possession of the ball about 10 minutes more than them, 439 yards of uh, offense. Theo Riddick had 147 yards worth of uh of uh, yardage and everything too. Um, what do you think about the changes on the offensive line since uh, we visited earlier in the season with you? Uh, as far as the changes that they they made, any particular ones stand out in the position change and personnel that you think created this? Plus, getting a healthy Dexter Williams and there are Dexter Williams at all, I guess, for that matter. Right. You know, I think Dexter has really been kind of the X factor for those guys. Um, you know, I think the the guys that they've transitioned in. You know, they've been great role players and stepped up to the plate, but I, I got to go back to Sam Mustafer in the middle, you know, the guy who's consistently been there and, you know, praise to him that he's uh, been able to rally those guys around him and, and, and lead the charge. It's, uh, you know, looking back, it's we lived and, and died by our run game in 2012. Uh, we had a, obviously a, a really good old line, you know, leading with Zach Martin, um, on on our line so 
having a guy like Mustafer in there in the middle to to make the calls and lead the charge, I think that's what's really showing out with this team this year. Braxton, you had a really good defense in 2012. You know, guys that you would go head-to-head with, you know, dating back in camp and then throughout the season, too. And I don't want you to necessarily uh, compare the 2012 defense with the Notre Dame defense this year. But what's been your favorite thing on Saturdays when you've watched Clark Lee's defense this year? I think the biggest thing is the depth that they have. You know, everyone everyone likes to talk about our 2012 defense and how those guys were great, but we really didn't have the depth that these guys have. So seeing the amount of pass rushers that they have and they can rotate guys in and it doesn't seem like the play, the level of play drops off at all, uh, that's been pretty fun to watch. Just, just the success that this team has had in November, I think one question that continues to kind of circle around is, is why. And I know you had a really good experience within Notre Dame's strength and conditioning program, but there's been a lot um, that's been made of the development and what's going on uh, from a player performance standpoint. You know, Brian Kelly kind of mentioning that they had 20 guys, around 20 guys last week, um, hit 19 miles per hour on their GPS unit that's showing how fast they're running versus around 15 or 16 in week one. Um, what have you heard from from guys in and out of the program uh, on where they are as far as the strength and conditioning program and it lending to success here late in the year? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing, it all starts with buy-in. You know, when, when you get late in the year, as you know, the last thing you want to do when you're sore or feeling banged up is go in the weight room and, and uh, get a sweat in. So these guys buying into what's going on there and, you know, they're obviously putting in the work and, you know, we always talked about peaking at the right time. I think these guys have just been climbing that mountain all year, and they're they're hitting it in stride when they need to be. So let's let's play this game. Uh, Notre Dame wins tonight. They get into the college football playoff. They're one of the top four teams. Who would you like to see them play in the first round? You know, I wouldn't mind seeing the, uh, a, a Clemson matchup. Um, you know, I think I think we. Uh, had a pretty good shot at him last time we played. I wish that one would have came out a little different. So I wouldn't mind seeing them as a as a game to get in and get our feet wet. And then obviously we always want to take our our next shot at Bama. Who doesn't? <laughs> Bama's up right now, seventeen to seven over Auburn. Um, you know, it's and it's one of those things when when you're a program, you you are always comparing yourself to the top dog. And right now, I think you have two that are on a, on a different, a little bit of a different echelon um, with the rest of the pack. I mean, you look at what Clemson has done, what Alabama has done. Braxton, how close do you think um, Notre Dame is? You know, to closing that gap on a yearly basis and, and inserting their name as one of their premier. Um, uh, programs or guys, you know, that are going to be competing for uh, those top four spots year in and year out. I think with with Notre Dame, it's just having someone, you know, Ian Book get, gaining the experience that he's gaining right now, and having somebody at the helm that you know can really run the show. I think that's that's what will help set Notre Dame apart, not just from you know where they're at now, but where they can possibly go. You know, you look at a team like Bama; they're just they're so well rounded. You know, over the years they've never had a a number one overall pick quarterback they've just been able to have a team a defense that flies around a solid o-line and they they're just so fundamentally sound i think notre dame is getting there on that aspect if they if they have a if ian book can take that next step i think that puts them up in that top tier brax we appreciate you taking some time today if i had to lay some money down what would be the score prediction on your end tonight i'm gonna go 42 17 notre dame and, and he doesn't have a lot of money, so he's going to put down some. <laughs>
<laughs> Thanks a lot, Brax. We appreciate it. Thanks for taking no uh, the time to join us today. Absolutely. Thank you, you, guys. On your home for Notre Dame football, 96.1 WSBT. This is game day. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Game Day Show. I'm your host, Evan Sharpley, on your home for Fighting Irish Football, 96.1 FM, 9.60 AM, WSBT. And uh, we're getting you ready for the Notre Dame game tonight against USC. Kickoffs just after 8 o'clock. Your Fighting Irish are 11-0 right now, looking to go to 12-0, 60 minutes away from a spot in the Final Four, college football playoff. And they get to do it against their rivals. Doesn't get much better than that. It doesn't. Out in sunny California. What a way to end the season. And so let's see... How about what the keys of the game to beat their rival? Well, I'm going to look at, uh, we've kind of heard it's been a, a general theme uh, from our guests that have been on the show so far today, is just setting the tone early. You're playing against a football team right now that's 5-6. and six. Some questions swirling about whether their coach is going to be back <clears throat> next year. So um, they may be looking for an excuse to, to not continue playing hard. Although it is a rivalry game, and Notre Dame has a big uh, X on the back of their jerseys right now. So um, you're going to get, I think, a team that's going to play hard early, but if you're able to set the tone, that may go away. Um, second is going to be controlled line of scrimmage. Notre Dame has done a nice job um, on the defensive side in creating pressures. You have a pretty good quarterback um, in JT Daniels. There's always athletes on USC's team. So to be able to control um, both sides uh, offensively, run the football, set the tone, good balance. Um, then lastly, protect the football and, and create turnovers. That's what this Irish football team has done all year. I'm going to go with the same score prediction that Braxton had. That was my score, too. I got 42-17 Notre Dame. I like it. I'll take it. I'll Let's take do it. it. That's Evan Keys to the game. Evan, I want to thank today's guests, Jack Nolan, Tim Grunhardt, and Braxton Kay for taking time out of their afternoon to join us. We also want to thank WSBT's Matt Embry right here in the studio for all his assistance. Don't go anywhere as the Irish Trojans coverage continues. Right after the news, it's everything you need to know about today's matchup on Budweiser's Game Day Sports Beat. Immediately following Sports Beat, it's the Notre Dame tailgate and pregame show. Then it's the kickoff just after 8 p.m. with the broadcast team of Paul Burmeister, Ryan Harris, and Jack Nolan. And after the game, don't forget to join Sean Stars and Reggie Brooks for the official post-game show. What another great regular season of game day shows, but this isn't goodbye, but it's see you later. We hope you will join us for the postseason play. But right now, stand by for more right here on your home for Fighting Irish Football, 96.1 WSBT. For Evan Sharpley, this is Tim Growl. Go Irish! Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 